um, strap in because this is just a collection of thoughts, really. Um, I knew not to write the talk before we went to Leicester because I thought, well, God's clearly just going to change it while we're there. So I thought, I'm not going to do that. Um, but it does mean um, that some of what I say may come as a surprise to me today um, as much as it may come as a surprise to you. So um, hopefully it will bless you. Um, Want to hear a quick cool story before I start, though? Um, Yes, Nick, is the right answer. Um, so, you know, we're doing the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yeah. Chris is using my scarf as a blanket. Oh, my word. Good. Fire, Lord, fire. Um, so, quick story. 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're doing it at the moment. Confession. I very often pray and can think I've no idea if what I've just done has made a difference, right? Anyone else feel that? You can pray and you'll be like, I know this is like we're all doing a thing and we're we're hoping it's making a difference, but like, does it actually make a difference? Here's a cool story. Earlier this week, we specifically prayed for our businesses in Ashford. This is what was written on Facebook by the owner of one of our independent businesses the next day, word for word. Today has been the best day ever in the shop by a country mile. Just when I thought I needed a miracle, it came. (laughs) What an amazing coincidence. Can you believe it? God's people pray. We pray for specific things and then there's breakthrough. Who knew? It's like God's really good. So... This morning I'm doing a second kind of, doing a second part of Chris's talk from last week that we called Let It Rain. And uh, Chris was talking about something God had said to him about let my Holy Spirit. The end. Just let my Holy Spirit. What would it look like in our lives if we actually stood back and let the Holy Spirit out to play? that we took off some of the controls, some of the fears, some of the things that we hold on to, some of our expectations of what the Holy Spirit should do. We took them off and we actually just let the Holy Spirit. What would that look like? And so I'm really just leaning a bit more into that. But I wanted to also remind you of some things God has been saying in the last few weeks and months to us here at Asher Vineyard. Kat did an amazing talk back in the autumn, winter, like november She said, God said to her, it's time to light the lamps, activate the burning ones, and illuminate the city. And at the same time, I'd felt God was speaking to me about waking the dreamers up. And for any of you that know me, I get bored really quickly, and um, I don't like doing things for for any period of time. In fact, I said to someone just the other day, Chris is the thing I've stuck at for the longest of anything in all my life. (laughs) So (laughs) this is good. Um, I am a dreamer by nature. I don't find it hard to dream. If someone were to say to me, what would you like your life to look like in a year's time? I don't have to think about that. I can just dream. It comes naturally to me. But what I feel like as happened to many dreamers over the last few years is that we've got disappointed and we've got beaten up and beaten down and we've been told no and we've been told not possible, too big, can't do it, too expensive. And not me personally, but the dreamers. I feel like there are people who have been shut down by other people's expectations and it's time for dreamers to wake up again and start dreaming big, big dreams. So... With all that in mind, I was saying to God, okay, 
Let's go. What shall I talk about this morning? And the first place he led me to was Romans 12. And I'm actually going to just read it from the NIV um, first, and then we're going to just look at it a bit closely from the Passion Translation that will come up. Um, But Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And in the margin of my Bible, you might not be able to read it from there, I've written this, you will never influence the world by trying to be like it. And there's a reminder for me every time I look at that. Don't conform to the ways of the world. If you want to dream big, if you want to be a burning one that's lit up again, if you want to let the Holy Spirit, it's not very compatible with doing everything you can to try to fit in and be like everybody around you. The two just don't actually go together very well. So we're going to look at this from the Passion Translation, just verse 1. It's going to come up on the screen. Um, I find it really interesting that Paul starts this by saying, Beloved friends. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes if Chris is going to have a hard conversation with me in our house, this may be like with your children at home, your spouse, your good friend. If someone starts a conversation that says, you know I love you, (laughs) you can almost guarantee that what's coming next, you you need to know you're loved to accept it, right? And it's really important that you know you're loved first before you take the hit that's coming next. I don't think that it is an accident that Paul starts this by saying, you know I love you, right? You know I love you, right? And then he says this, you know I love you, friends. What should our proper response to God's marvelous mercies be? To surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. Basically, he's saying, you know I love you. But the only true response to just how good he is, is to die to yourself. That's why you need to know you're loved first. Because if not, that just sounds like condemnation, pain, guilt, lots of other stuff. But if you know you're loved, it sounds more like an invitation. Surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, love this, experiencing all the delight, all that delights his heart. For this becomes our genuine expression of worship. And we've been talking here about Asher Vineyard about this year being marked by extravagant worship. The kind of worship that delights his heart. A genuine expression of worship that starts with dying. Dying to our own desires, our own insecurities, our own fears. I said to Chris yesterday, we sang a song um, where the lyric is something like, All my heart, all my soul, all I own, I freely give it all. That's the lyric. And in my head, I was like, all I own, except maybe my house, I quite like that. Or like, (laughs) in my head, I was singing the song, all my heart, well, except maybe the bit that I don't like to show anyone. Or, you know, we sing these songs about Jesus, have it all, I freely give it all, whilst actually very often we're just holding on to the comfort and the security and the predictability and the rhythms and the routines that make us feel safe. 
But we're in a season where God is saying, let my Holy Spirit. Let my Holy Spirit. Let go. It's time to die to some of those things. Because then you'll find real freedom. Freedom is when you die to that stuff and you walk into freedom. And I think what Paul is saying here is, do you really know how good he is? Do you know? Do you know how good he is? Because if you knew just how good he was, you wouldn't be able to do anything but fall to your knees, hold your hands out and say, have it all. But if you don't know how good he is, that feels a bit... It's maybe a bit strong. I'm going to go there. Almost feels a bit abusive, right? If you don't know how good he is and you can't trust that he's good, I wouldn't lay on my on my face in front of someone I couldn't trust and say, you can have everything I have. That's foolishness. So the problem is if we have a wrong thought about who God is and we don't really understand who he is as a father and we don't totally understand the breadth of his goodness, then actually it's very hard for us to surrender our lives to him because we're always in the back of our mind thinking... Oh, I don't know if I can really trust you with my finances. I don't know if I can really trust you with my relationships. I don't know if I can really trust you with my healing or the thing I've been asking you for for ages. Because, so therefore, I'm just going to hold a bit back because I'm not sure I can trust you. There's, there's a game changer of when we really understand how good he is, then suddenly being on our knees and saying, you have it all is the safest, most beautiful position we could ever be in. And somehow we need to find a way to get from the, I'm not really sure, to the, here you go. I'm still learning that. If any of you have worked that out completely, I'd love to speak to you because I'm not standing here as someone that's like every day I start the day fully surrendered. Most days I start the day with like, God, I really need you. And so I'm really hoping this is all true. And then we go from there. So I'm learning and growing in this too, right? I don't know that there are many experts on fully surrendering. But what I do know is that God is really challenging me at the moment with this. I am not your hobby. It's like, I'm sorry, could you tell someone next to me? I don't want that one. (laughs) He's not my hobby. But so often I treat God a bit like my hobby. Like, I know you guys don't. But for me, I can sometimes find that I fit God in around all the other things I've got to do. I fit him in around my to-do list. I fit him in around my energy, my desire, how I'm feeling at the time. All of those things. And then I fit God in. um, And he's like, don't you do that with other hobbies in your life? I'm like, yeah, a little bit. And he's saying, what would it look like for you to die, Nick? to surrender your life to me, to let my Holy Spirit, to make your worship extravagant. What would that look like? And I am learning. I am definitely learning. And my heart is a little bit grieved for how I treat my relationship with Jesus. It's not guilty. It's grieved. I've moved away from a whole season of my life of just feeling not good enough for God and feeling guilty. Now, actually, I just feel a bit sad that I don't live in a relationship with him in the way that I would love rather than bad. Actually, it's a hunger in me that's like, there must be more than this. There must be more possible than this. And that inspires me. Guilt shames you, crushes you, and keeps you far away from God. But when you're hungry, you're inspired to go closer to him, to get nearer the fire, to get more of who he is. That is what I'm going after. There's an amazing leader called Carol Arnott. She says this, He has many servants, but few lovers. 
which will you be? I'll say again. He has many servants, but few lovers. Which will you be? And I feel a little bit like, as a church, yeah, I feel a little bit like, (laughs) I was going to say it, I've got the microphone. Um, So I feel a little bit as a church that we have gone through times where we have tried to please God by our efforts and by our activities and by our doings and by our projects and by our clubs and our groups and our, all the things we do. And I feel like God is saying, Nick, I'm so proud of you all as a church and I love how you serve me, but would you just love me for who I am and then use that as the fuel and the source that takes you into the community to bring transformation. He's not saying stop doing stuff. It's not saying just sit for hours in my presence doing nothing while the person next to you has no food or clothing. He's not saying that. But what he is saying is, can you just sometimes stop running around doing all the things because I'm worth it and I'm so good and it's because of who I am, not because of what I can do for you or because of what you can do for me. And that is a change in thinking. It's hard. It's hard though. Fuego, bring the fire. Um, So so let's look at the second verse because I think this contains the keys. Because this really, a lot of this, I'm with you. I'm like, how do you do that? How do you do it? Because my heart and my desire sometimes take me to a place that I don't know what to do with it. Um, I'm a problem solver by nature. And when God doesn't give me like a plan, I get a little bit cross because I say, okay, you've ignited this passion and fire in me. Now tell me what to do. And he's like, let my Holy Spirit. I'm like, well, that's barely a plan. And he's like, it's better than you think, Nick. It's better than you think. And that's what I'm trying to do. But I think the keys, not a plan, but I think the keys are found in this second verse, which is this. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. Here we are, through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you. This There's the keys just given you. Totally reform how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will. And this is the kind of life I long for, to live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. How many of you guys are living what you would say is a satisfying life right now? I'm not sure there's that many. And that's that's not a guilt trip. That's, again, that's a yearning in me. Like, I'm longing to wake up and be like, I am super satisfied with the life that I'm living, and I know it's beautiful in God's eyes. And I'm not quite there yet. But I think one of the keys here is how we transform our thinking. And when you hear amazing stories and miracles, I would say one of the clues to whether you have got some work to do on your mindset is whether the first word out of your word, mouth is but afterwards. So when, oh, I heard this thing, and this amazing thing happens, and you're like, yeah, but, and then you ask a question. It's great to ask questions when we hear miraculous stories. It's really good. But when our first thought is, yeah, but God had never used me to do that, or yeah, but have we actually got proof that it happened? Or yeah, but have you heard that guy I saw it on Facebook? He's actually like, really, like a false prophet. Or, you know, all of this stuff. If you start your response not with, God is so much more amazing than I thought, but instead you go to, yeah, that, that shows we need a little bit of a transformed mind, I think, and, and a new mindset. 
Um, I'll give you an example. I sat next to um, a lady at dinner on Thursday night um, who was part of the leadership of um, the gathering that we've just been to. And uh, my new question for people that have seen great things is I ask them this question, what's the most outrageous miracle that you've seen? And then I say, you can define outrageous however you like, but what's the most, because I want to know, because I want to hear more stories so that I can transform my thinking about what's possible. So (laughs) you're going to love this. So she went, oh, well, it might have been the lady that got pregnant even though she didn't have a womb. But no, I don't think it was that one. (laughs) I was like, you have my attention. Um, And then she said, no, I think it was the guy... You know, sometimes at Worship Fest, if you've been around here, we've made like a prayer tunnel and people walk through it. Well, she said that there was this guy that came to their church, walked through the tunnel, and this guy had a false eye, so he'd had surgically his eye had been removed. Um, he walked through the tunnel. When he got back to his hotel, he took his eye out to clean it, the, f- the false one, and as he took his eye out, a real eye appeared in his socket. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm in the middle of a curry at this point. I'm like, right. <laughs> and I have some conclusions to make when I hear a story like that. Either she's a liar or she's deluded or God is able to do things that are way outside the grid that I've given him. Yeah. I think it's the third thing. Yeah. I think it's the third. But the thing is, my brain, because it needs transforming, goes straight to hang on a minute, when did God put the eye in? Was it literally as he pulled it out? And then what happened with the false eye? And then like, hang on a minute, why didn't God just make the false eye into a real eye? And then like, what? Instead of, instead of actually just being like this, what? God is so much better than I thought he was. But then what I loved is she told me a story that really made me laugh of how her thinking is still being pushed. She sees these incredible things. And then she said, um, there's this guy that's had amazing experiences of raising the dead. Um, And he has prayed for literally hundreds of people who are dead and who are now alive. Again, you can make your own mind up. Liar, deluded, or God is better than you think. So she was saying that this guy was in a group talking and um, a friend of hers was leading the session, and they did like a Q&A, and they handed the microphone to a lady, and she said, um, okay, I have a question for you. You've talked to her about raising the dead. I would like to raise my husband from the dead, um, but he's been cremated. <laughs> so, um, and so my question is this. When you pray for the resurrection, would you do it over the urn, or would you tip the ashes out first <laughs> before you do it? So... <laughs> So the guy who was leading the meeting was like, this man is never going to come back here to preach ever again. Who gave her the microphone? They're going to think we're mad. But he said the most hilarious thing happened because the guy listened to the question. He's like, huh, that is a really good question. Well, I mean, you could spread the ashes out. I mean, it partly depends on if you think he's going to literally bring him back like there and then. Or So anyway, this woman was saying, it doesn't matter how much you see of God's goodness. It doesn't matter the level of miracle that you see. Somehow we have to totally transform our minds as to what is possible. And then when we transform our minds to what is possible, my, my inkling is that we may see God do some more amazing things. But when we keep putting limits on what God is able to do, I mean, let's be honest, God made the eye. 
Like, he designed it. It's like, it's in his cat. He's already made them, like, lots of times. So this isn't like, um, like a new skill for him. Like, he's not like eyes. Hmm, I've no idea what, what is an eye. Like, he designed the eye. So making one appear in a socket, it's like, it's not hard for God. It's not hard. But it's hard for my head. And, and I think that's what this is talking about. The things that we dream of are not hard for God, but they are hard for our heads. And, um, and I want to see my head transformed and my thinking transformed. And I think that is what God is inviting us into as a church. I think he's inviting us into as a community and a church to lift our eyes up, to expect bigger and expect better, and to be able to say, of course he'll do that because it's not hard for him. Rather than feel like we're pleading with God for miracles, please will you do it? I mean, God loves it when we just come to him, however our heart is coming. But I think he really loves it when we come to him with the, with the anticipation of, I cannot wait to see what you're going to do, Dad. Rather than, am I worthy enough? Could you use me? I mean, I swore yesterday, and then I feel like maybe that's just limited my miracles today. <laughs> this stuff, I, I just don't think that's who he is. The end. I don't think that's who he is. <laughs> he's fun isn't he God is fun I mean I did I did come back from these stories like oh maybe I should rewrite my bucket list was why I actually came back with a I mean I'm God's all for me going on a really tall roller coaster but maybe he's also for me laying my hands on someone and seeing their eye appear like why not um so as I went through this with God I was then thinking okay so I'm gonna speak and say this stuff and I know we're all human And I know that for most of us, we hear the stories and we say, God is really, really good, and I love him, and I'm really pleased for those people, and I'm just not sure he will do it through me or with me. And it's not even like a real self-deprecating thing. It's just like this, uh, I would say, a false humility that like, oh, God, you know, They're the special ones that get those stories. They're the chosen ones. And I just don't think that he'll do it through me. And then I asked him, like, what would you say about that God? And he led me to 2 Corinthians Corinthians 4. Um, And, I mean, I would recommend you read the Bible in loads of translations anyway. But this passage I love in loads of different translations for different reasons. And it says this, For we preach, what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Here's the clue, though. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. 
For we who are alive are always being given over to death. It's what I talked about earlier, for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And then just jumping on to 16. Therefore, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. And I don't know about you, but this last couple of years, I feel like I've aged about 20 years. I feel like my body is just like, oh, the, just the mental fight of the shift, the change in society, the, the political stuff going on, the stuff with our kids in schools, like all of this. I just feel older. I feel like my body is fighting the, the culture that we're in. And that's why I think I love this verse so much. Don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I feel it. I feel that sense of, I want to see breakthrough. I want to pray for people and see them get well. And I want to pray for more audacious things, more impossible things, more crazy, crazy things. I mean, there was a brilliant moment at the conference where the men's toilets had flooded. And Chris went and found the lady that, and said, oh, by the way, the toilets are flooded. And she said to him, can't you just part it or freeze it or something? And <laughs> And she did it with a really dead face. And he said, uh, and she went, are you not even filled with the Holy Spirit? <laughs> it was really funny. And, but do you know what's hilarious about that? Is it's really funny because none of us would have thought in a moment of seeing a toilet flooded to pray that God would just take the water away. I mean, maybe you would. Maybe you have more faith than me. But I would first think, get a mop. I want my mind to be totally transformed and blown away by what is possible in the supernatural. And I think it's just more fun. I think, you know, that would be more fun. And I think the key here is this idea that we've got to start fixing our eyes more on what is unseen than what is seen. Sometimes I want to walk around society and culture just like this because I don't want to look. Because when I look, I feel so disheartened, I feel so despondent, I feel sad, I feel grieved. I, I wouldn't even have to try to list you some of the most tragic circumstances that we see around us. Chris and I are qualified foster carers, and sometimes we get sent referrals for children, and they just have initials next to them for us to consider. Oh, my word. How can these things even happen to one child? It's so wrong. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. I'm, it's just so wrong. Like, how can it be that a child can experience such a horrendous measure of trauma? There must be another way. There must be another way. But the problem I have is that when my eyes are fixed on the document in front of me and what I see... Why, oh, why, oh soul, are you downcast? But when I fix my eyes on what is unseen, which is what would it look like for a child to come and live in our home and be completely transformed by the power of Jesus when they do and shake off all the trauma and basically break all the rules of fostering, which is the, the unsaid rule of fostering is every child's a bit messed up. What if that weren't true? What if it weren't true because that child meets Jesus and then everything changes? 
And it happened that last night when we got back, um, we watched with our girls the beginning of um, Will Smith has got a new documentary out um, on National Geographic or something. It's on Disney Plus, if you're interested. Um, And it's called Welcome to Earth. And basically, he says, as a film star, he's acted out the most incredible life experiences. But in his actual life, he says, I'm 50. I've never slept in a tent. I've never been up a mountain. I've never done And he basically has set himself, can I say, with an incredible budget. Um, Like... A bucket list that makes mine look really ridiculous. Um, And he's now going off with adventurers to go to the ends of the earth to discover what the world has to offer. And the first episode is him and a blind man going to the edge of a live volcano. So this guy is is an adventurer mountaineer guy, and he's completely blind, and he went blind when he was 15. And so he gets to the edge of this volcano, and Will Smith, you can see, is really... Like, he's finding it hard to not tell his face that he's terrified. And, um, and he stood there, and then the guy says to him, can you describe it to me? Tell me what it looks like. Tell me about the colours. And then Will describes it, and he turns round to him, and he says, do you have any sadness about not being able to see this? Which I thought was a very good question. Do you have any sadness? This is the reply of the guy. His name is Eric unpronounceable surname, Weihenmeyer. And he said this, when I went blind, there was a time when I had regret. Eventually, I think I learned that you have to say goodbye to that sighted life and take on a new life. A part of you dies and a part of you is reborn. And as I'm watching it, God's like, I was like, thank you so much. I was like, I only had a few hours to go. It's that. We have to somehow say goodbye to our sighted life. And we have to be reborn into what is unseen. Because he said he got this amazing experience at the edge of the volcano that Will didn't get. So he said, yeah, you can see it. But you have no idea what I can see. And he said... I can see behind me, can you? (laughs) I thought that was a great quote. I was like, think about that for a minute. Wow. Even down to these rocks. I mean, you should just watch it. It's great. But even the rocks flying up, they have to wear helmets. And of course, sighted people. Will was saying if a rock is coming towards him, he can dodge it. And he's saying, what are we going to do about this guy? Well, this guy says that his visual cortex is completely mapped out by sound. So he can see it with sound. So he can see what's coming towards him and how it's coming with his ears. And then we think it's hard for God to make an eye, right? I mean, the brain, it's just so good. So, if you take anything from this, like, if you take, he's upstairs, that's God God saying, you're done, time's up. Um, (laughs) We really are done, we have got no time left. Um, Isn't he kind like that? It's like the equivalent of a stopwatch. So, What I think I'm saying to me, definitely to me, and I hope to you as well, what I'm saying is we've got to find a way to die to our comfort, our expectations of what's possible. We've got to find a way to lay down the things that we think are important, to keep putting God in the reserves as our hobby that we do when we have time, And to put him front and center, knowing that he has the most wonderful adventures, as John talked about, for us to come on with him. Not through guilt. And I'm like, 
I will be this direct. If you feel guilty about what I'm saying, that's not God. It's just not how he works. He's just not like that as a father. This isn't me being like, oh, Nick said God's my hobby. I'm terrible. Like, okay, I think God's my hobby sometimes. But I don't feel guilty. I just feel hungry. So turn your guilt into hunger. Maybe try to go that way because we can be a little bit hard on ourselves sometimes. Let's lay our lives down. Let's get more hungry. Let's stop living based on what we see and try and fix our eyes on what is unseen. Let's remind ourselves that he's better than we think he is. So much better than we think he is. Let's start dreaming and risking again. Let's maybe just take a few more risks this year. And the just because the talk's called Let It Rain, I thought I should mention rain like at least once. So I'm going to mention it now and then it fits like with the title. <laughs> there is a question I feel like God, <laughs> that God asked me. He said, do you think people really want it to rain? Because the thing about rain is that when you see kids and it's really raining, they start taking layers off and dancing in it. <laughs> when you see adults in rain, they stay inside Or they look through the window and go, wow, it's really raining. Or they make sure they have a good umbrella. Do you actually want it to rain? Because when God's Holy Spirit is let loose and rain comes, we've got to be ready to get soaked. And if we're not ready to get soaked and we're standing under an umbrella, I think we're constantly going to go, why is he doing it for everybody else and not for me? I feel a bit left behind. I just don't feel like I really fit in anymore. I feel like, you know, in the church, it just all feels about the Holy Spirit. And I don't feel it. Take your umbrella down. That, that, that is my advice. If you feel like you're sat looking, going, what is going on for everyone else? I just don't really feel it. You don't feel guilty. Just take your umbrella down. Maybe the rain is more fun. Maybe it's more fun than you think it is. Maybe it's okay to get soaked. And if you've ever been to one of those theme parks where you go on those rides and you get totally soaked, it's a little bit uncomfortable, right? Like, it's really exhilarating. And when you're soaked walking around a theme park, generally in this country, and freezing, it's a bit uncomfortable. And I think getting soaked is thrilling and uncomfortable. And I think that is an invitation that God is giving us as a church. So, let's stand. We're going to pray and we're done. So if you've listened today and you feel like you want to respond in some way and say, I'm up for getting soaked. I am up for transforming my mind. I am up for dying to some of the things that I've really put front and center and instead putting you front and center, God. Then I would encourage you, sometimes we say a physical response just helps us um, in a spiritual response. So where you are, maybe put your hand on your heart, hold your hands out in front of you, hand, hold them up above you, just something which is a posture of openness. Father, we say, let it rain. Let it rain in Ashford. Let it rain on us. Why not us? Why not here? Why not now? Why not? Lord, help us to transform our cynical minds, our limited minds, to be able to see the unseen realm of what is available to us. And not to the person sat next to us, but to us. And right now, 
Sometimes I feel God invites me into mothering moments and I find them uncomfortable because I look out at church and think people have so much more life experience than me. But I feel like God has just said, as a mother, he is asking me to say to those of you who are disqualified, you are so qualified. You are so qualified. A bit like a mum can sit and hold a child and say, don't let them tell them that's who you are. That's not who you are. That's feel like, I feel like God is saying to me, as Ashford Vineyard, hear it from him. He says, you are not disqualified. That isn't what he says about you. It's not who you are. You may be this fragile jar of clay, but brokenness creates an atmosphere where power can come. So, Father, in our humanity and our brokenness, we call down the power of heaven and we say, use us. Let it rain. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.